My name is Josh, and welcome to Hide and Seek Archives, a podcast where we talk about things supernatural, cryptid, or unexplained. like to um, go ahead and uh, tell us uh, what happened. Well, this is, I can't remember what the year was. It was in the mid to late 90s. Uh, I know the month was August, just before dental season opened, which was September 1st here. And it was a really bright full moon night. And there was, uh, there was seven of us down there at the river bottoms, which was hanging out. And we heard this weird little chirping noise that we couldn't quite figure out what it was. So we decided to go for a little walk and try to figure out what the heck this noise was. Um, these river bottoms are, you know, it's a bunch of cottonwood trees. And then there's a wild current and what they call skunkberry here. It's about anywhere six to eight foot real dense brush with, you know, little openings between them. But as we were walking down through these old roads, uh, you know, we didn't need a flashlight or anything. It was so bright, but that whistling kept kind of ahead of us and off to the side as we wandered down through these roads. And we came out along the, this bank of the Snake River there. We were, it was a gravel road, you know, just white as can be in that moonlight. We started walking down that back towards where our trucks are parked at. And ahead of us about probably 50 yards, we've seen, I've seen something look kind of like a beaver laying there on the road, you know. You just noticed the movement there. As we kept getting closer, this thing finally it stood up. It was about 25 feet from us. Uh, it wasn't really big, about four and a half feet tall. It definitely stood up on two legs and looked at us. Tried to take two, three steps to towards the brush, and then it changed directions and went back and jumped into the river and disappeared. Um, it was the weirdest thing. I mean, it didn't. It wasn't a way it could be a human. It moved completely different the way its its body moved. Really, really quick. Um, I mean, you could definitely see hair on it. You couldn't really make out any facial recognition or anything, but there was hair. and It's kind of a, a freaky little time there. kind of scared the heck out of all of us. Yeah. Uh, the, the, there was, I believe, four girls in there. The one, one was kind of mad at the rest of us, so she was ahead of us. So this thing stood up probably 15 feet from her and, and she ran all the way back to the, the vehicles, this hysterical crying. And so we don't, still not 100% sure, but everything I've seen on TV and everything, that's the only thing it could have been. You know, as, as we were getting, that's one thing I forgot to mention, as we were getting closer to this thing, that whistling, it's like a chirp almost. It really got intense. I mean, there was four or five other creatures in there making that noise. And the closer we got to this, the, the more chirping, you know, it was like we were getting really agitated. And, you know, thinking back on that now, I'm, I wasn't so sure we had done it. Come across a young one that was, they came across the river and we just kind of come at the right time that we caught that one there, you know, on the road. It was trying to hide. It was laying down like in a prone position behind this little uh, clump, it's about a three foot tall clump of these wild daisies is what we call them, these little blue flowered things. So if, you know, if we weren't walking down that road right towards it, that thing would have laid there and we never would have ever seen it. It was, it was kind of, you know, thinking back on that, how so many people can walk right by something like that and never even know it was there. Yeah. Uh, how tall do you think it was? Uh, my best guess, I think it was about four feet tall. Okay. It wasn't really big. 
had that silhouette shape, you know, that uh, footage of the Gimlin photo, footage of film, I guess. Yeah. It walked so similar to that. It was, it was just, you know, you, you couldn't mistake it for a person. It, it leaned too far forward. It was too fast. That thing was a quick, a quick thing when he decided to go or head or whatever it was, but. But it definitely had two arms and two hands. It was on two feet. So, and quite a few of you saw this thing. Yes. Uh, did y'all ever talk about it later, or did? Yeah, did... we have through the years. Uh, most of them will not. Don't want to go public with it. I mean, the one by one of my closest friends. We had a little interview with uh, whatever that Finding Bigfoot <laughs> deal, but mm-hmm. he didn't want to go on camera. Uh, he was with me also, the, uh, it was probably three or four days before that that we got uh, ran out of the out of those same river bottoms, you know, a little bit different spot, but something just kind of almost hurt us out towards evening and throwing sticks at us and it was a weird, that was more frightening than, than seeing that, that one there on the bank. What, what so, happened with that? Well, we were, he just bought a brand new shotgun, so we went down, you know, towards the evening, we was going to just shoot some starlings and stuff. It was on our way out, it was getting toward dusk when he stopped just ahead of me, and I'm, I'm figuring out what the heck he stopped for, and he told me, he goes, man, there's some growling at me up here. I never did hear it, but there was every time we take about four steps, the brush would rattle around us or a stick would get thrown at us. And it just kept pushing us, you know, like it was hurting us back to the, to where the vehicles were parked. We ended up going out of there. One of us forward, one of us backwards, because it got to the point where it was pretty frightening there. As, you know, he said that growl wasn't really. Uh, loud, but it was more of a rumble, more like he felt it than anything, and it really scared him pretty bad. So, so we had that experience, and then that one where we seen him right after that. And I'm wondering if there was like a family of them down there that year. I've never seen anything since then. Mm-hmm. But you know, for being about five miles from the house, and it's and not in typical Bigfoot uh, territory or habitat, as you'd call it. It was kind of a, a surprise back then. You know, we didn't have the internet like we do now, so we didn't know what the what the heck we ran into other than the stuff we'd seen on TV and stuff like that. You know, over the years, it's become pretty obvious what we, what we ran into that night. And you said you you saw it again. Or are you just referencing back to when y'all saw it on the? No, time? I'm just referencing back to the, okay. the experience I said there at the beginning. But, but I know definitely something uh, chased us out of them them bottoms that a couple days before that. But you know we had no idea even what the heck it was. So the next weekend when we ran into that the one there on the bank, everything just kind of came together, and it's. You know, none of us will go down there at night anymore. <laughs> We're <laughs> pretty scared of that. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, it sounds like the one that y'all saw, like you said, might have been like a juvenile. Yes. You know, that's the only thing, you know, thinking back, that's the only thing I can think of it being is there, because of all that chirping down below, there was some more down there. And I think this was the last one to cross, and then we happened to come up on that road at the and it just kind of laid down to hide from us. The, the ones down in that brush were really agitated. You know, that chirping just kept going on, and there was, it had to be coming from, you know, multiple animals. I don't know how many, four, five, maybe, but that, ever since we've heard that chirping, I I've, I've still hear that occasionally when I'm up, you know, in the mountains and stuff. I'll hear that little chirp once in a while, and, like when we pull into a camp or something and you, you hear that coming off the hillside somewhere. Um, and, and when you say chirping, uh, 
what uh if you could describe it what uh, what how exactly would you describe that uh, let me try to make that noise it's a type like that okay like it's a little whistle chirp it's not it almost sounds like a bird but it's uh it's got a different end to it mm-hmm. uh, the closest i could really say would be kind of like a cow elk when it chirps but it's it's different i mean you can definitely tell the difference in them mm-hmm Okay, and um, and you said you were screamed at before? Okay, yeah, this was quite a few years later. I mean, I, you want me to go through all the, all the experience? Some of these, I mean, most of these don't have nothing, no visual or nothing, no footprints, but there was something definitely out there um, on two different camping times. Once with my, uh, my family, we had a, about four thirty-five in the morning, that worst smell you could ever imagine woke us up, and it's—I'm not sure how to even describe that smell. It smells like a like a bull elk in the rut smell mixed with the barnyard manure type of horrible nasty smell. But this thing woke us up that night, but you know, we—I usually keep stuff around the tent there where I know where it is on the sure you know like the lighter for the fire mm-hmm. and the lantern stuff like that well when i got up that was of course gonna be found and you could hear that whatever it was walking they're moving around outside the tent and say walking because it just hear the branches move once in a while but i got up i finally got that fire going as soon as the smoke came out of that top of the, the chimney there the it just, that smell just completely disappeared. But you could hear the dogs. I mean, this is a big reunion, so there was probably 80 people up there. Mm-hmm. You can hear the dogs going off as that, whatever it left up around the camp. So that was, you know, that happened in June of that year. And that following October, me and this, that same friend that experienced the stuff before were up elk hunting. And this place is a way up high in the mountains. And a lot of elk and a lot of deer right in there for the first three days we were there. And then that first night, something come by, and it's about the same time, 4, 30, 4 to 5.30 in the morning. Same exact smell. Woke both of us up from our, you know, from a dead sleep. And we, I just laid there and tried to hear what that was, you know. Never did hear it, but that smell disappeared just suddenly, and my friend laying over there asked if I was awake, so we were both awake, just laying there, kind of in a paralyzed fear type of thing, but mm-hmm. but the strange thing was, is we had this table we ate on, we were finding geodes, you know, them round rocks with the crystals in them. We've been finding them all through our hunt. We had them laying there on our table. And that, that morning after we come back, he kept, he accused me of taking his rocks. And I'm like, I don't know why I would take your rocks. You know, we've had them all sitting there. But we noticed about half of his little rocks are gone. Uh, our serving spoon that we used to cook with was missing. And I think he, if I remember correctly, he lost a, like a Leatherman that disappeared off that table. So... The next night, exact same time, this thing comes back again. Same smell, same everything, and it, it did the exact same thing. We just laid there, and, and finally it, it just disappeared. The third night, it came back, and it was even a stronger smell, so it had to been a lot closer to us. You could, again, hear little branches break every, I mean, it was like stepping on them or something. Mm-hmm. And it's the same weird smell, that same laying there and just kind of a fear. And then we never had nothing else after that. But the, the weird thing was all the elk and deer that were there, I mean, there were deer everywhere and elk everywhere. There was not an animal left after that. We had four days left to hunt. We couldn't find an animal anywhere in that whole area. Yeah, and that- so whatever the heck that was, I had to have 
or something to carry, you know, those rocks and that spoon and that knife away. Yeah. I don't. <laughs> that was one of our strangest ones. Yeah, that is really strange. And it seemed to know exactly where to go every night. Yes, it was kind of, you know, almost the exact same time. And, you know, through all these years, we, as we talked about that, it's almost like that it would go wander its area there and then it would come back to our little camp just before daylight and just kind of watch us and then you know it seemed like that's what it would do just before it went wherever it spent the day but it was a it was a strange experience there and oh i forgot to add while we were hunting we had our our little like our handheld radios that we keep in contact with there was somebody that came up that last day on that third night. So that next morning, we were as we were hunting, we could hear this guy on his radio talking to his friends. And he was saying, you know, I think I see a bear up here, but it's not acting like a bear. And we sat there and we listened to that. And it was kind of like the chills ran down your, <laughs> your back. Cause that's first first thing we thought when we heard that. Oh, man, that's a... You had one of the Bigfoots in the camp again, but... Yeah, that's definitely something you don't want to hear while you're out hunting. No. Uh, you know, and of course, that guy never or shot because couldn't tell what the heck it was. We talked to him a little bit, but he didn't really... He just said it, it was dark color moving through the trees, but he wasn't sure of it. He didn't... You know, his first thought was it's not a bear, so he didn't shoot at it. And mm. Never seen it again, but... So that was that... Uh, that little experience there. Uh, the one you're talking about where we heard the the roaring stuff, that was, uh, well, I think that was like 2010 or somewhere around in there. 2012, somewhere, somewhere in this area. But we went to an archery competition over in Twin Falls. And <clears throat> those mountains, that's in the Sawtooth National Forest call them the South Hills, but, but we decided we'd just camp up there for for the weekend. We had that same tent. Uh, we, we went into that area, you know, the first night, it was just me and the boys up there. And, uh, we Our first camp, it was kind of a place I didn't like. It was right on a main main trail, I guess you'd call it, you know, that came out of a logging road. Mm-hmm. It just didn't feel comfortable, so that next morning we moved out into a kind of a little valley type of thing that's down below where we were, where we north back camp that night. Uh, the wife came up that day, you know, we went, went to the archery shoot, and the next, that night as we were sitting around the fire, you could hear this. Uh, you know how to describe it. It was a like a moaning uh, bellow type of. It wasn't nothing I'd heard before. You could hear it way off in the distance, and this call would last probably thirty seconds to you know forty-five seconds. It was a lot of it was like a, a big yell type of sound, mm-hmm. but it kept coming across the top of this ridge about every. 60 seconds to a minute and a half, that thing would let out another one of them big moaning, I don't really know how to explain this thing. It's kind of like a big like a bull cow when it makes that, uh, that oh, noise, you know, and the a range cow, that big bellow. Mm-hmm. And then you mix it with like someone yelling. You know, this thing will last about 30 seconds long. It's almost like a, a howl type of sound. But it, as it would come down that ridge, you could hear that, you know, it just kept getting closer and closer to us. And finally it got to where the dogs all got up and they went in the tent. I don't understand what the heck that is when they bark at everything else, but they all went and hid. It was about that time when started, the wife and the kids were getting kind of scared, so... They were just going to go get in the tent. Well, as that thing was still howling up above us, it went past our camp and then it come down probably 50 yards down below us. And as all of a sudden, all them chirps started.
started again. There was a bunch of them. It was just, it was so loud, you know, that night. It was being so close to our, our tent and as quiet as it was, as dark as it was, those chirps were just really ups, upsetting, I guess, as you call it. But yeah. The wife and the kid went and got in the truck. That's where they were going to stay that night. I sat up around the fire all night with the with my 12-gauge and just sat there, and that was a where I don't know what the heck was going on there. That thing had come across the top, and it was like a, a meeting place. Because, uh-huh. man, that chirping was really loud, and there was quite a few of them all at the same time. And then it just went dead quiet. I never heard nothing again till that next morning, and that's when uh, we got up and we were starting to pack camp because we just wanted to get out of there. Uh-huh. Oh, excuse me. But the kid, yeah, he was only probably about eight. Uh, first thing he did was, you know, as he was packing camp, he comes and goes, hey, something's up there on the, across the way they're hitting the tree. I just didn't even think about what the heck he was talking about. So then I, I started to listen to him, and he'd, he'd smack a tree with a stick. And right directly after that, something across the, well, probably 100 yards across the thing there would hit a tree back. So then I kind of like, oh, boy, this is really weird. And he would do that. He would hit it once. That It would answer it with one knock. He'd hit the tree twice. It would answer with two knocks. And I got to the point where, like, oh, crap, this is, we got to get the hell out of here because I'm not, yeah. <laughs> this is unreal here. So we we packed up and we left. And, you know, that's the last experience we I've had. But I haven't, I don't make it out like I used to. I got, got hurt, so I can't really walk like I used to. So mm-hmm. um, do you ever... those were the times, you know, when I was real active and we did a lot of time time out about out in the mountains and stuff that we ran into it but I still do hear that little chirp occasionally and, and it's always right as soon as we pull into a campsite or something you get out about within five minutes you'll hear a chirp up on the mountain like that but everybody else sounds just not like a bird but there's definitely a, a difference to it but. um did, did did you have have you ever gotten a chance to to ask the forestry people about any of this? Uh, I've talked to a few forest service people, but most of them don't. They look at you like you're kind of crazy. No, <laughs> 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 uh, I have. I've went down to you know what really got me going on this is when I went down to the ISU and talked or Jeff Meldrum had a. A little museum there. Yeah. And, you know, this was been years and years since our first experience of seeing that thing. So it's, as we went through that, it just, it really started to dawn on me, you know, all the, the tree twist or whatever they call them, the twist offs where they twist the branches to mark their, you know, I don't know how many times I've seen those things up in the wild hunting or something that never paid any, any attention to them. Till now, you know, you start recognizing that kind of stuff, but yeah, but the that chirp, I don't know. I mean, um, what the heck his name is? It's runs around with that moneymaker Cliff. You know, he he replicated that same exact chirp to me too. So I know he's heard the exact same thing I've heard. <laughs> I don't know, <laughs> but it's definitely. I don't know if that's the way they communicate or. It's a warning thing, or what the heck it is, but I don't know. Um, I, I've I know because um, I'm originally from Texas, and and I had mm-hmm. uh, an experience backpacking with my father. Um, we never had the chirping, but we had the whooping noise. Okay, uh, all around us, all night. Yeah. Um, you know, and we backpacked a good few miles in, so there was no leaving. Yeah. Um. But I, I have heard the uh, the 
chirping from other stories uh, before. So uh, that, yeah. I find that really interesting. Uh, I, I just, it seems like there might be so many different ways that they might communicate. Well, I'm sure there is. But like I say, I don't know if that chirps a warning or if it's just a, maybe like they're just whistling to each other like we do when we hunt once in a while. You know, when we're separated and you just let out a whistle and then your partner answers back or, I have no idea what that is, but I can definitely recognize that. It's, it's a, kind of still puts, you know, it makes the hair on your back stand up when you hear it. But, yeah. You yeah. know, and I've, everybody keeps telling me they're real friendly creatures, but I don't, you know, I wouldn't feel like I do when that happens if they were friendly. Cause yeah. I've hunted bear and everything else and never had that damn chills run up your back type of you know that scares the heck out of you yeah <laughs> so it's a no I, I I know that feeling um yeah this is really interesting and I know Idaho is I know Idaho is is not a huge state um but how far apart were were these experiences okay from the one down here in town on the river bottom we're this is a, it's kind of a desert country. A lot of sagebrush, lava, a lot of lava flows. Of hardly any water other than along the river and what's irrigated out, which you know they run through the canals and and the ditches here, and then they pump them out, you know, in the water in the field with the sprinklers. But we're probably. I think it's about 120 miles to the west where these other experiences happen. So we're back, you know, 120 miles up in the mountains now. We're in, where I'm at, it's in the kind of a plain. Uh, these other experiences I had were all up in the mountains. That's mostly Idaho. How do you get out of this plain? It's nothing but mountains as far as you can see. So it's, uh-huh. you know, it's. Uh, the two, the one I was experienced about the smell the first time and the second experience we had in October, there was about 20 miles difference between the two spots. Oh, wow. Uh, this last experience we had with that, the howling type of noise coming down the ridge and all the chirping, that was probably another 100 miles to the south from those other two experiences okay so there's a good distance between all yeah um i like to i like to ask this uh to a lot of uh people i interview uh what do you think bigfoot is well to me i know what that sighting i visual actual visual sighting of them they are definitely a a being, an animal, you know, they're an animal or primate or something. The way they moved and the way that one's hands were hanging down, you know, or hanging down, but as it was swinging its little, its arms, you could see the hands with it. So I know uh, it's got to be something kind of like us. They're built so similar, mm-hmm. but yet so different. At least there's not really a neck there's nothing really uh, I guess petite about the things even this little one was built big enough that it would have probably tore us all up if we <laughs> tried yeah. to get involved with it yeah but they were they're so fast you know it's when I seen that thing of uh, Patty the Gimlin film it kind of I don't know if they slowed that film down but it doesn't move as fast as this one I see, man, that thing was, I mean, it moved like a deer, but on two feet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it was, but, you know, I, I definitely know that it's a, it's a being of some sort. I just don't know. I mean, it's, a, it's here on earth. It's a natural being, but yeah. uh, I've thought about that a lot too, because it's something you just don't. 99% of people have never even seen one or even know what they're they're around mm-hmm. but yet when you when you've had an experience like that especially where I I went public with mine you know, and ended up on that whatever 
Yeah, that was oh, that was going to be my other question. If you thought they were intelligent based off what you've seen, uh, yes, I would say because you know even this little one trying to lay down and hide like that. There's, you know, we know animals. I mean, deer will hide like that, pheasants, but something that is definitely going to just lay there, knowing you know if I stay here till they walk by, they'll never know I'm here, and I'm not going to show myself till. I absolutely have to, you know, that little one kind of, to me, that was like somebody that was, didn't want to be known, but it got, it got caught and it had no other choice but to show itself. Yeah. And and get out of there. Yeah. Um, and that, that trail you saw it on, have you been back on that trail? You know, we, this area has changed so much in the last, 10, 20 years that there's so many people down there. They made it into a recreation area where before it was just a bunch of river bottom land that, you know, the county owned and mm-hmm. nobody went in there other than deer hunt once in a while. But, yeah, I've been down there. I don't go down there at night still. My kids still laugh at me over that. But but that that, that trail hasn't changed much. It's basically like a an old road, a berm across they put a new bank on that river when it flooded before I was can remember, but they built that river bank up and they put a little gravel road on it. That road still looks exactly the same, all that white river bottom gravel with those little patches of, I call them wild daisy. I think they're, uh, Yeah. <laughs> um, do you ever, you know, do you ever plan on going back out and out hunting? Uh, I, you know, with my condition, I am. I still go out a lot, but I, I'm not one to now that I don't really walk around a lot. I, I drive my little side by side, and mm-hmm. that's just not something very conductive to find seeing things like that. So yeah. Yeah, they they move pretty fast from what I've heard. Yes. Um, you know, if they hear something coming, they're going to get out of there. Yeah, and I think, you know, that one we've seen was that way. I think they're, like you said, I think they were coming across the river, which seems weird. Everybody, when you tell them, oh, like, they're swimming across the river, everybody looks at you like, what the heck? You know, they, <laughs> but there's only, that's the only way they can travel here, you know, yeah. back and forth across the river. They have to go across it. And I think, as I said, they come across the one was whistling when we first heard it. I think it that whistle was their signal or something to come across the river. And as we walked around, we happened to just to catch the 
Yeah. And say another five feet, we never would have known they were there. Yeah, it seems like he might might still be figuring out how to hide. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's uh, that used to be some pretty wild country years ago when we seen that, but not anymore. There's so many people back in there, and but it was a, uh, I say, a really thick, kind of like that mesquite stuff out in Texas. I'm sure you're familiar with that. Yes. That's what these uh, bushes are kind of like. You know, not quite as tall and not about as thick though. So anything eight feet tall is going to be hidden in that stuff really easy. <laughs> yeah. yeah, definitely. Um, and and from and from what I've heard, they seem to seek out thick areas like that. Uh, yes, a lot easier to hide. Yes. Now this one I was talking about when we were elk hunting. That's uh, I'm go back because I'm starting to remember a lot of stuff now that you got this coming out of me. But you know that we both had shot our deer. I think it was the third day up there. We had our elk located, and like I say, after we had that, that smell come to the camp, everything had got pushed out. As we were hunting above camp, we went in there probably another mile up, you know, walk and follow the trails, and we come to this big, I don't know how to even explain it, it's like a, a big meadow, but, you know, we were just about getting above tree line, and it was... And we thought we'd sit there and just kind of watch that that evening. And we were both probably 100 yards apart from each other because we always we always had separate kind of like that. But we were in the same area. And that gave, there was something definitely in there. Never seen nothing, never heard something. But you could feel it. I mean, it just like you were being, like you were being watched type of feeling. Uh-huh. And as we came back to camp that night, you know, we met up and we had both experienced that. And this, and that was the worst, weirdest place we'd ever been. Now, this, these meadows above them are a bunch of big cliffs and, and rocks and spires and who the heck knows what else is up in there. And I don't know if that's where that thing, that creature, because I can't really say what it was. I didn't see it, but everything led, leads me to believe it was a big foot, but. I don't know if it was living up in there or staying in there and then coming down at night, you know, doing its hunting or whatever, and then it would come visit our camp just before daylight, before it, before it went back up into there. But, mm-hmm. but that area gave us just the, the creeps, I guess you want to call it. It was, so I know those, uh, just, just very unsettling. Yes. Unsettling. That's the perfect word for it. You know, and I got that, I had that same feeling over in the, in the sawtooth when that bellowing and stuff come down that ridge and then the chirping underneath, you know, right below camp. And that was the same thing. Just a, you kind of, I guess, understand what a, what our prey feels like when you're <laughs> right there. Cause yeah, it was, wasn't the best. I wish there was. If I could have spent another couple days in that spot in the sawtooth and actually looked for like footprints and, and stuff like that, but man, everybody was so freaked out, we just had to get out of there. And I've never been back, so. And and that definitely speaks a lot, especially you know you you being outdoors all the time and hunting and. <clears throat> You you getting that unsettling feeling? That's not something you just make. You know that you just pull that you just bring onto yourself. You know when you're actually yeah. feeling that. You know you know something's not right. You know and, and, you know there's a difference between somebody who's never been out in the woods a lot, going out there being nervous and 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 yeah. and scared, and somebody who's actually been out hunting and experienced out in the woods. That that speaks a lot. Yeah, you know it's like I said, I've hunted there with you know archery and. I've never had that feeling. Even when I knew there was a pretty good-sized bear right there. We, we live in grizzly country, of course, but, you know, I've never had that same feeling as these other experiences. And so that's, that's what I'd say. I think this is a... These are not a, the cute little vegetarian type of things people, other people claim. No. I think they're a, a super predator type of thing that there's nothing else that's going to put that fear into into people that way. That was just hard to even explain. I've 
Yeah, and, and, and especially, you know, especially if you get that fear from something you can't even really see. Yeah, if you don't see it. And, you know, like I say, I used to, you know, that was the outdoors was my whole life. You know, every uh, every three minute time I was either hunting or fishing or hiking or or something. So I've, I've seen a whole hell of a lot, you know, even in, in I know Montana and Wyoming and I've been around grizzlies plenty of times. And, you know, that puts the fear fear in you, but it's not the same fear as this, this thing these big fish have. There's, I, from what I believe, just thinking about, you know, is the evolution of man. Mm-hmm. I believe we were born with that fear for a reason. You know, the, back in the old, old thousands or thousands of years ago that we were probably hunted by the dang things at one time, you know. It's, Possibly, yeah. You know, we, we evolved and they, and they didn't, but... You know, I guess I don't know if that's a good or a bad thing, but... Yeah, and especially since they're really experienced out in the woods. Yes, you know, you know we've got a... I mean, we live close to a, a reservation on the show show paddock right on the edge of town here but so of course I've known a lot of a lot of natives that that talk about them you know they're uh, they tell me that the red ones which must have to be the ones with the red hair are the mean ones and the ones with the the black or gray hair are the nice ones I don't know what the heck but that's what they swear by you mm-hmm. know and they've they say they'll walk, they'll see them up there on the reservation, which is a lot of the sagebrush mountains, you know, not a lot there, but they said they'll see them dragging a sagebrush behind them to cover their tracks. And so they are a very intelligent creature. I mean, they've, they've got to be, and they, they also claim they migrate through here, which kind of makes me, because we've seen ours in late August, September, and they, these natives have told me that they start coming back out of the mountains and about that time and then they migrate to the west, you know, which is a lot of open lava country with the caves and there's a lot of caves here that are unexplored. They're just big lava vents, you know, the, the lava quick coming through so there's a big tube. Mm-hmm. They say they migrate to there in the winter and then they head back up, you know, to the, to the mountains and the as the spring progresses, and that's when most of our sightings happen around here is in the fall, and then again in April, March, or March and April, I guess. And well, well, I, I really, really appreciate you coming on and 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 telling us about your encounter. Yeah, that's been a you know, it's, everybody knows about it. I'm not too shy to. I really, really appreciate you coming on and, and, and telling us about your encounter. Yeah, that's been a, you know, it's, everybody knows about it. I'm not too shy to, to say what we've seen, but uh, for people that don't know, I had somebody tell me, you just seen a monkey that escaped from, well, hell, we don't have the monkeys with zoos around here. Uh-huh. And I know it wasn't a monkey, it didn't move like a monkey, did it? This was a, a humanoid that was very intelligent but very dang fast. I mean, I've never seen anything that could, could move as fast as that thing when it wanted to. So yeah. there's no way I could be mistaken for a for a person or a, a monkey out of the zoo because I don't think monkeys can swim from what I've been told. <laughs> I think <laughs> they seem like a rock, but... Yeah. <laughs> so it's, uh... There is something that's very real around here, and... I believe it. Have you had any other reports from this part of the West, or has anybody called on to it from there? Um, it's it's been all over. Um, okay. I've had uh, let's see, a, a, well, an episode I just released today. Uh, a guy actually saw an albino one ah. in uh, Alabama. Um, when he was a, when he was a kid uh, out hunting, 
um, and he was by himself. Um, he says he doesn't go by himself out anymore uh, after seeing that. <laughs> um, I, I've also uh, talked to a guy the other day uh, about uh, he he think he he believes that uh, Sasquatch use infrasound to uh, put fear into people. And yeah, no, that, yeah, that would go back to like what my friend was saying. That growl he heard, he felt. He said he felt it more than he could. And he heard it, but I say I wasn't too far away from him to know. Yeah, he said he could feel it go through his body, and it just stopped and dead. And he was. <laughs> yeah, and you know, I, and I've heard heard a lot of stories about the infrasound, and I'm wondering if that that's related to that, you know, because there's been a lot of testing done on infrasound, and it can cause all kinds of issues, like the feeling sick and dizzy and yeah. increased anxiety, and um, and if these things are able to do that, you know, then that's that's pretty incredible. Yeah, well, that's a good point. That goes back to like I was saying that. Feeling, they know you're just scared to death, and there's no reason why you'd get that till you brought up that, if, you know, that uh, infrasound. The infrasound, yes. That, you know, like I said, I've never heard of growl or nothing like that, but I sure feel, you know, you feel it. Yeah. When you're by anything. And uh, and you you said your story's been told on Finding Bigfoot. Yeah, that's on what was it season three, episode one, or something like that. But you know, I reported that. You say there wasn't a lot of internet stuff when we first mm-hmm. when we had that experience. You know, years later, I kind of started like, oh, what the heck, and started researching it a little bit. I contacted well, that BFRO or whatever the heck it was to have a so-called field investigator came down and yeah they just dismissed it so i um uh, you ever had any mysterious disappearances out in that direction you know there has been quite a few actually but you know there's everybody just thinks they're abduction i've told my kids that too i go you know the the indians out here always that's their story you know they'll come and take your kids and most of the ones that are disappearing here are all, you know, 12, 12 to 14, probably. You know, it's, it could be human trafficking, but there's always been, you know, quite a few uh, young people that just disappear in this area. And I've always thought the same thing, that they don't find no remains, no nothing. You know, it's something's getting them out much. Yeah. I'm say Bigfoot's got him, but you you ever had a chance to look into the missing form one one? I've looked into it just a little bit, and that's what kind of got me really thinking about that. You know, because we've got all this national forest out here. That's well, even where I'm at out here in the on the plains and lava fields, that anything could take anybody, and you're gone forever. You know, it's yeah. So, so I have noticed that 411, a lot of them are coming from trailheads and, you know, camp, camping spots, you know, recreation areas that they should be finding some kind of a trace of those people that are in the missing like that. Yeah, and especially. So that's always made me wonder, especially after the Indians told me, you know, they, we always tell our kids to stay in at night because of that, so. Yeah, especially, you know, you. It's, I know I've heard a story where, uh, um, you know, somebody will turn a corner just for a second, and then the other person will come around, and they're gone. They're gone, yeah. Yeah, and and you know, and I think it, my, my theory is that I believe it has it might have something to do with uh, Bigfoot, and because these things move fast and they can move quiet. You know, they can move real quiet and fast. I mean, yeah, you know, I could. We had a a little kid. He was probably three, think three or four. He disappeared. I'm going to say probably five years ago. Same way, he was in a in the camp with his parents and just disappeared. They have not found, I mean, they've taken cadaver dogs.
hours, but yeah. you know, no arrests were ever made. But as soon as that happened, I'm just like, you know, that could have been. Everybody says, well, it's probably wolves, but I, I've never had an issue with the wolves being. They leave the traces. Yeah, exactly. This kid just disappeared without. I mean, no one's seen him. I mean, this is in four or five years ago. I mean, not a trace at all of him. And we've had a couple. There's one up in Salmon. That's been probably 20 years ago. Another young girl that just disappeared. You know, so it makes you wonder. It's. Yeah, that's and that's why I always tell everybody: make sure you you go with somebody, or, or you yeah. keep your eyes on each other. Yeah, that's what I told the kids. You know, I got well, my youngest now is fourteen, but when they were younger, especially when we're up in the mountains and stuff, camping all the time, I told them, you know, don't go wander around out here at night. <laughs> There's too many things out here that can get you. That's that was what I always worried about. But. Even now, where most of them are grown, and you know, I've I've got stories of of hunting at night, dragging deer out through the black and here and stuff, following you, but you don't know what the heck it is. I mean, it's not yeah. A, I told them there's stuff out here. I mean, they all know the Bigfoot stories I've got and what I've told them. But you know, there's a heck of a lot of other things out there in these in the wilds that will get you too. But there are, and, and you know, in, in Texas, uh, you know, we have those armadillos. Man, they can yeah. they can really make some noise. You would think a huge bear was tromping through the woods because <laughs> yeah. they sit there and they just you know throwing the leaves around, scuffling, and you're like, what yeah. is that? And then this little armadillo comes out. Armadillo comes. See, we have that trouble with our red squirrels are that way. <laughs> it sounds like a freight train coming through, dropping <laughs> pine cones and everything, but. Yeah, it was, like you say, a bear, you don't hardly ever hear a bear. I mean, you can see them, but you don't hear them. Yeah. They got a really soft feet. They can, they can move around pretty quietly. And I think that's with any big predator. And when they prove back to Bigfoot, something that big, they can move back quietly and be unseen. It's pretty dumbfounding, I guess, to your head how something like that can be undetected. Yeah. Especially after you see when you know that little one we see didn't make a bit of noise. Even on them rocks didn't make any noise at all. And no, and that's and that's just incredible to me. Incredible to me, these things must be so heavy how they cannot you know, move stuff around and make all this noise and how yeah. they, I, I don't you know this this little one, I don't know if this is anything. I've brought this up several times. When it was running, it wasn't like it was on its whole feet it was up kind of like on the balls of its feet so its heel was just off like it was like tiptoeing kind of and it was that's always stuck with me I wonder if that's how they're they can get by without making so much noise when they're moving fast I mean of course you see the big footprints like we do when we walk normal but yeah but to be quiet, I mean, we've done that too. Is even as humans, when you're trying to sneak sneak up on people, you're on your balls of your feet, walking out really quiet. And I wonder if that's how they. Because this little thing when he got up, you know, it was three three little steps, but he was up, kind of like he was trying to tiptoe and be real quiet. And then he turned around and ran the other way towards the river, real quiet, you know, on that same tiptoe type. Things, but mm-hmm. so he had a funny little gate to it when he was trying to do that. But I say it never made no noise and disturb any rocks at all. And you know, the thing about didn't even hear it jump in the river, but we kind of checked as we went by. You know, you could definitely see there was nothing there when we had to go by that spot. So, mm-hmm. so it's, yeah, it's fascinating how they don't make any noise like that. You know, and I've heard stories where you know people will will see them and then hear them kind of walk away and then just stop, and then they'll they'll kind of look and see where did they go. Well, in reality, they're still there. They're just hiding. Yeah, they're hiding, and they don't. I kind of demonstrated that to my kids once in a while because I'll tell, I'll go over here tell you where I'm kind of going. You try to find me, and then just lay them behind that little. 
there you go. He's told me, well, it, it turned into cedar bushes. I'm like, what the heck are you talking about? <laughs> so that's what, that's what we were told. But I guess when you think about it, with that hair, and they just stop and stand still, they're almost in the shape of a a big cedar bush. Yeah, and you could walk right by it and not even yeah. know it. Well, I mean, at a desk at 50 feet, if they didn't move, you'd never, <laughs> never even notice them there. Yeah. It is, and that and that's one of the reasons I do this. I love I love hearing people's stories, and and I'm always learning something different um, by hearing other people's stories and, yeah. and, and kind of connecting in dots. Not not necessarily saying that's what it is, but um, you know, it's, it's hard to connect the dots. You know, like I say, I've heard so many dang stories out for people that you know have come out since I've talked to that little show I did, but, but you know, there's yeah and and there's probably a lot of people out there still that, that just don't even want to talk about it because they, they think they're going to be made fun of or, yeah. or they might think they're maybe i'm seeing stuff you know yeah, a lot of people can't believe what they see you know it's we've got all kinds of sightings here in the in the state now that i've kind of started researching a little bit but never even heard of growing up you know Definitely sounds interesting. <laughs> but yeah, I know. Like you said, I know they're a real being. They've got, there's no doubt in my mind over that. Very intelligent. Uh, they know how to. They know how to reason. And I've heard reports that they they can get up to near 15 feet. Sometimes oh, I hear I hear them bigger. Um, but well, that, that's now that you brought. I think I've mentioned that to you in my little message, but. Yeah, before we had that experience down there, you know, got chased out of the river bottoms. I, I've been scouting for deer down there most of the summer, and I ran into. Oh, it was probably a cedar. This is actually a cedar tree, probably a thirty-foot cedar tree. But there were branches. I always wondered what the heck did that. There was branches as far up as I could reach with my longbow that had been pulled off this tree. Not cut off, but actually pulled off the tree and no branches on the ground. It took them wherever, whatever it did with them, it took the branches. And now that you're saying a 15 foot tall creature, I mean, that that kind of brings that to mind too. That they had something that big could reach up that high and pull that. But I've, I've always wondered about that tree I've seen down there. I never could figure out what the heck, what did that. And and, and and then on top of that, I hear that they they I've heard from natives that they they spend about eighty percent of their time up in the trees. Ah. Um, well, I could very well dis why they disappear so fast. Yeah, that, that and, and, and another way they can move pretty quick. I'm sure. Yeah. Without being heard. Yeah, fascinating. It is, and you know, hearing hearing all these different things, it it's hard to tell what's what, and it's it's you, you all you can do is base it off of what you've experienced. Yeah, well, I know a lot of these now. The weirder they get, the, the ones that I more or less believe, because people want to make up something so weird. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's like that. <laughs> it's the ones where the this great big twelve footer come walking across my yard and looked at my window. They kind of. I don't have a hard time with them, so 
I'm sure there is. Um, people want their 10 minutes of fame. Yeah. Um, but, you know, all you can do is just listen and, you know, ju- and, and, and decide for yourself. Yeah. Well, I think if you go out looking for it, you won't find it. It's the ones that you're, they just happen to be in the wrong spot at the right time, I guess. So. Yeah. <laughs> Mostly catching them off guard. Yeah. They they don't seem to like to be around those, so that that's a good that's a good deterrent. <laughs> you know, the fact they can recognize what that is kind of tells you how intelligent they really are. Especially if, if, if they're nocturnal and, and they can yeah. see a lot better at night, they'll see stuff that we can't even perceive. Yeah, yeah these, let me say, they're very intelligent animals. They've got to have some, a good brain on them to figure and see stuff like that. Cause I'm sure they, if they just don't come within 50 yards of your camp or whatever, and they just scan every square inch of that looking for something out of the ordinary to before they do come in to investigate, but... Yeah, are they they just watch you and you don't even know they're watching? Yeah. Well, I think that's what was happening around our tents those couple times. I think that smell happens when they know you're awake. And like I say, this woke us up from a dead sleep, but I don't think it was the smell. I think it was just that feeling you get, and as soon as they knew we were awake, that nervous... Must, I guess caused it that mm-hmm. stink to come out of I guess kind of like us sweating under pressure so kind of their 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 deterrent yeah so that was yeah that's what I, I always wonder they just sit around there curious and then oh crap I'm caught you know and <laughs> yeah they're definitely real yeah yeah they are well, I uh, thank you for coming on. Oh, no problem. Um, it was really good talking with you. It was, I, I really enjoyed it. Um, yeah, this is the, the first one I've talked to that was actually kind of enjoyable. You know, <laughs> it's kind of a rehearse type of deal. So. No, no, it's that, that. That's why I like doing this. It's basically just you know two people talking and somebody telling their story. That's you know I, I, that's just how I want to keep it. I, I don't I don't like to rehearse anything. Um, if there's something I don't like, I'll just remove it. <laughs> okay. That sounds good. But, well, thank uh, you for this. I had, I had a good time doing this. So. Yeah, you're very welcome. I, I had a good time t- speaking with you. Um, I hope we get a chance to and do it again. And thank you, everyone, for listening. Yeah, and a special ever, thanks for Troy for going out of his way to uh, tell us about his encounter. Um, if y'all get a chance, y'all should go on to Finding Bigfoot uh, on the episode he mentioned and uh, check out his encounter. And if you would like to be on Hide and Seek Archives, you can email me at hideandseekarchives at gmail.com. I hope you all have a wonderful Christmas, and I will talk to you all next Tuesday. That you don't control me The feeling is cold And life is unfolding Reckless and weary I'm desperately holding on So if you can't get a word in It's because I don't care what you think Don't be alone inside a world that's